Greg and I, MDM and I, went to a really nice Airbnb in the weekend, but we had issues with booking it. <laughs> because let me tell you a little story. MDM and I went away this time last year, actually, because MDM's birthday is in November, beginning of November. So for his birthday last year, I booked an Airbnb in Red Hill, and it was a really, really cute spot, really, like, just gorgeous, like, nice place. And it was basically a weekend of fucking. <laughs> and we got in trouble <laughs> because, first of all, I was on my period. And things just got a little bit messy, as they do, as they do. I couldn't really help it. It was just one of those things. <laughs> so I had to pay to have their comforter replaced. Not their comforter, the like mattress protector replaced. <laughs> Which I tried to clean and there wasn't, okay, to be fair, there wasn't actually that much of a mess. It was like a tiny little spot that just like, I was like, look, it's not that much. But I had to replace the whole thing. And then we got a very unhappy, judgmental <laughs> email because we'd taken a toy that we'd never used down with us. We left it behind. And the toy was a paddle. And on the paddle... <laughs> In big capital letters was the word slut. <laughs> so these poor people hosting us would have found just like a bed covered in people. <laughs> just this panel. <laughs> it wasn't covered. It wasn't. That was just for a dramatic effect. But the place that we tried to book for his birthday just been was owned by the same people. <laughs> And you were blacklisted by them. <laughs> blacklisted. So Greg had to book them so that we could sneak in. Um, and I'm pretty sure the whole time we were there, I was like, which toy should we leave behind this time, babe? Just wanted to leave like a little calling card just for like them. Just like something. Send them a photo of both of us. I there. wanted <laughs> to also, we actually just wanted to blackmail them into giving us our old paddle bag. <laughs> like take something of theirs and be like, I will return this <laughs> when you return my motherfucking slap. I hope, I hope they kept paddle. it. I hope they've made good use of it. They didn't just throw well, it in the bin or burn it. I hope they kept my it. My mic keeps turning on and off. And it's um, really spliced up there. Well, I reckon that the guy who owns it, like the guy that's on the listing, he, I reckon he was down. But the email was from the wife that was like pretty disappointed that we found this. And I was like, oh, God, okay. And he was like, babe, babe, no. <laughs> It's cool. Don't you, like, isn't this kind of interesting? And she's like, absolutely not. Disgusting. And she would have been all pissed off and he would have been like, oh, fuck, my yeah. sex life is so shit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was our experience. But the Airbnb weekend was absolutely amazing. It was exactly what I think we both needed getting away. It was really, really good. Just getting the fuck out of the house. Yeah. Good little like, trip down the coast. Like, nice you can have fire. days off work, right? But if you're in the house, you're like, oh, there's that job that's been staring at me for months. Yeah. I should do that on my free time now that I have the free time that I need to do that. So, being out somewhere else in someone else's house, clean, clutter-free, not being reminded of all the jobs that you have to do was really good. It's perfect. Yeah. Thank, thank a nice you. little birthday weekend. Yeah. Um, so, I got a message um, from someone who's been listening to our podcast and she's actually someone that I went to uni with which I find really cool um <laughs> way back in the day um and she sent through two questions um and I just love that like people that I know from like high school and uni are like we know all about your life now and your relationship and <laughs> I'm gonna been, ask you questions about it it's been really interesting like I've had a few other people that like I haven't talked to her for a long mm, time mm. or things like that that have reached out they're like hey like I really love it you're talking about this or this has been good like 
yeah, it's cool that I'm, yeah, cool to find people that it resonates with and, and people you know as well. Just people that come out of the woodworks. Mm. Like, I don't know if I've said it on here, but one of my, like, my, one of my best mates in the US, when I was public about being like, oh, yeah, I'm in an open relationship, he was like, mate, me too. Um, did not say mate, absolutely did not <laughs> use that word, but was like, yeah, me too, we've been open since day one. And he's like, I'm just a big old slut. And I was like, what the fuck, how did I not know this? Um, so it's cool. Okay, so the message that we got... We've got a question about when I was talking in my, I think I was talking, I don't know which one this was. It was, it was podcast three, which was not a solo. There was the one that we did together. What was that one about? We did the rules of our relationship. Three. No, it was your solo one. It wasn't my solo one. You, okay. You, yeah. I got stood up. Oh yeah. I was right. talking about dating. I'd just come off the back of it. I'd been stood up and I was like, ah, oh, fucking this is, un- <laughs> this makes sense. That's why yeah. she sent this question now. So she says, you talk about how your dates have usually flopped in comparison with your chemistry slash sex life slash dating with Greg. Why date other people if Greg is superior to other experiences? Um, and first of all, my immediate response was like, well, I'm not trying to have bad dates. <laughs> like, It's not the goal. The goal isn't to be like, oh, well, I'm just looking for some shit dates. It's just, it's just happened that way. Like in dating, dating is kind of like that. Like you get the good with the bad. So that's part of it. I think that's, that tends to be something that I probably have talked more about in terms of like my experiences. Like it's easier to talk about the bad stuff and get like hung up on that or caught caught up in it. Um, But there have been some good experiences as well. Um, And then the other part of it is that there's no competition. Like it's not like, well, the winner is the one that I spend my time with. It's like I spend a predominant amount of my time with Greg because I love spending my time with him. And then in my own time, I can I can use that time the way that I want. And it's important to me to be connecting with other people and talking to other people and, and exploring that to whatever degree that, that kind of, um, I guess, manifests. So it's like sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And every experience has allowed me to gain great insight into my feelings for Greg or my feelings about our relationship. So it's only benefited the relationship. So yeah, I don't think it's like a, well, why would I do it? It's like, no, there's actually really good benefits to it because I get to explore things that I enjoy exploring about myself. Um, I get to meet other people and have that experience with other people. And and yes, maybe it's not always amazing because people are assholes, but I can't help that people are assholes. Um, and, and yeah, there's no real like hierarchy between people. Like, I, yes, I guess I'd consider you like my primary partner. Um, I mean, that's not really even a term I think. Yeah. It's like, we're not polyamorous. So it's not like you'd be like, Oh, you're my primary and this is my secondary. It's just like, you're my partner. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's, I don't think there's like a, yeah. I, I mean, it's a valid question. Like why? But it's, I, I still think like there's still, um, I enjoy making connections with other people and and sometimes it's not necessarily like the dates and the chemistry and the sex life like I know that that's probably not going to compare to you just because like what we have is so great Mm. and so that's not what I'm looking for either like I'm not looking for a second Greg like I just don't think that's possible like it doesn't it it actually would not exist so I'm actually just looking for like hey something that is casual with someone that I like having a good chat to and having good sex with like something like that you know just like anybody would be looking with casual casual dating I guess um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not looking to replace that or to get more of that. It's just about knowing that you know there's there's more pleasure and enjoyment and connections to be made, um, and you don't have to be limited in that. I think there's so much to the process of that as well. Like mm. you know that question he's asking about, like you know the event of the date being the focus and being mm. the thing that's like you know 
whether it goes good, bad, whether it was average, whether it was amazing, mm. whatever, it's like there's so much before that point that, you know, when you actually go on the date, there's mm. the connection and discussions that we have around that. There's the fun and excitement of just chatting to someone new and flirting with someone new or whatever. Talking and to people online. The like that's a really fun thing to them, do. As well as the, so there's that process of, you know, like anyone knows that goes through like dating people. There's that thrill of like, oh, someone new, exciting, get it, like, you know, whether it's getting dressed up to, or whatever it is to get ready to go on the date. There's so much of that stuff beforehand that sure, like it can be then a letdown if the date wasn't, didn't meet your expectations or whatever, but there is still value around some of those other things. And, you know, then post date, like us reconnecting and the, then us debriefing and talking about it, like, I think that there's a lot of value in, in a lot of those other parts. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think like I've said before, and I've probably mentioned on the podcast, like I think to start with, uh, well, I think that the benefits from it all have been much more, like I think we've gotten a lot closer through that process and I think there's a lot more like internal benefits to us mm. than, it, than it just being an, a self-serving just for me thing. Um, so I think, yeah, it, no matter what the outcome of the date is, you still get all those other things around it. Yeah. I mean, I think that said, it's like, even if people weren't necessarily to go out on the dates, I think it's just fun to be able to be like, hey, I just get to talk to people online, like, and go on the dating apps and just like swipe people and, and have little floaty conversations. Like, I think that's kind of fun. Um, and so that's kind of part of it. And then eventually it just leads to like, hey, let's catch up. But yeah, um, yeah like there's, like you said, there's so much stuff around it that's still enjoyable um so yeah i probably was emphasizing the bad a lot because i was like fuck it just stood up oh yeah you were pretty, pretty unhappy <laughs> at that point about that that particular event mm. okay so another question that i got oh that's your that's your laundry i was like <laughs> what is that sound <laughs> ignore that i was like is that your stomach <laughs> okay the Oh, I just taken five so that Greg can sort this fucking washing machine out. Oh, you could actually leave it going if you wanted. <laughs> okay, the other question that we got um, is I'm going to move that camera down a little bit. And I, she was like, no judgment, like just purely out of interest. Um, in a consensual, non monogamous relationship, do you believe in marriage? And could you be married and continue non monogamy? Um, I, it's not that I don't believe in marriage. It's just that I've personally never felt any desire to get married. Like marriage has never been something that I'm like, oh, I really want to get married. That's super important to me. It's not something that holds a lot of value in my, in my life, like in my brain, I guess, really. Like it's, I think it probably stems from my parents were not married when they had me. Like they got married afterwards, but mum was like, I just wanted you kids to have your father's last name. And I'm like, did you have to get married for that? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I think it was more out of tradition's sake perhaps mm. uh, than anything else. Like I don't think that they felt like they needed to. Like she didn't do a big wedding. She wore an orange dress, orange. a very 80s hat. Um, yeah, it was in this tiny little chapel that's actually uh, in the in like a – museum in new zealand in mm. auckland so yeah, like you can go and visit it it's at the motat so if anybody knows motat it's like the automobile museum that you can go to so the little chapel there is where my parents got married which is super random well, <laughs> so i can like drive by and like, cars and stuff is that anything i don't know if it was to that degree though yeah, okay. that he was like babe we're getting married at the motat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, i just think they just wanted a cute little chapel and that was like yeah it could I don't know. I don't know. I actually would love to know what the decisions were mm. like that went into that process. Um, so yeah, they got married. It was a tiny wedding, like 
I've only seen a couple photos from it really I just yeah. see the orange dress all the time so even that it's like it was never a significant part of my parents relationship so mm. it's never felt like that important and then it was my dad's second wedding as well so my dad's had three weddings <laughs> and it's like I guess part of that is like ah, it just sort of underwhelms the importance and significance of it a little mm. bit degree to me to a degree it kind of makes yeah yeah I'm sort of like yeah it kind of undermines the power of you must get married and that's really meaningful in your relationship I'm like oh, I don't know yeah and look, we've had a few discussions around all that and I think like I think you've you came in maybe with a much like harder stance like against marriage and you know like I've always been backwards and forwards you know is it important do I care do I want to um my parents divorced when I, uh, when I was five mm. so like same like I kind of came from a like ah, divorce marriage thing like the same my mum's second marriage neither of them remarried um yeah so I think it's like I wasn't really sure but I think one of the things I've said to you is like you can kind of redefine like I think you know if you take that like what marriage is also just learning from your parents and take that really traditional view of it I I think that if you can kind of redefine it to go well what like why why do you want to do it? Why is it important? That was the question. It was like, why should you get married? Yeah, and like I think I said to you early on, like my sister's wedding was a really cool experience. Mm. There was twenty five people. We're away for a week, and the two families like we spent a bunch of time together over the course of a week, got to know each other really well, and it was kind of this really cool experience of like the blending of two Just families. Connecting. And kind of having these things where we're sitting down to dinner and getting to know them and, and kind of that that symbolism of two families coming together. And that was a big thing I took away from that. I'm like, okay, that was a really cool experience if that was what it was about. Mm. And yeah, we just had this like cool week, went out partying, ate dinner, whatever. And the wedding was at the end of the week on the Saturday and we all left on the Sunday. Mm. And it was, um, you know, I came over that really small and intimate, like you talk to everyone, you got to spend time with everyone. And that was really cool. Like from an actual, like, the event of the wedding point of view. But, mm. yeah, I think this there is a degree of, I think, the symbolism of, and, and I think last time we talked about it, like, that commitment to that spending the rest of your life together. The same as there's there's something to having the discussion where you're like, hey, I want to be with you, mm. and I want to commit to that. Um, you know, so I, I still think there's, if you if I redefine what it is that's important about marriage, I can see some value in it. Yeah, I mean, I think what you said yesterday, which was like, or maybe even this morning, it was like, this is a the first relationship that you've done on purpose. Yeah. And I guess that's the, the fear that I have around marriage. Like, one, I'm like, I don't know if it's that important. Mm. Two, I think that it almost makes people take their relationship for granted. Like, I mm. think that it's uh, like a really quick way for people to be like, oh, well, like, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm locked in and I don't need to stress out anymore. And it's like, that's a really shitty way to be in a relationship. Like, it should be deliberate. It should be intentional. It should be pur- have purpose the whole time. Mm. Um, and you should be doing things on purpose. So I think that's been part of my hesitancy around it. Mm. Um, and then perhaps a little bit of, like, just commitment phobia. Like, just being like... <sighs> I don't know, like, if I want to get divorced, then what the fuck was the point? Like, mm. it's just going to be messy. Mm. Which was my parents' divorce. It was really fucking messy and, like, horrendous and a very bad ending. So, it's like, ah. Uh, you like, can apply that to a relationship, but... Uh, yeah, exactly. You right. go, well, why get in a relationship if there's a chance that you might break up yeah. and then you have to go yeah. through a breakup? It's like... Yeah, no, I don't know if no? that's exactly the same. I think yeah. a marriage is 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 more contractu- contractual? Contractual. Yeah, that's a word. <laughs> yeah. It's more, it's more of a... Um, yeah, I just think that that almost 
paperwork process of like defining and announcing the relationship to the public is is actually different to just getting into a relationship with two people that commit to each other mm. like committing in front of people and in front of your friends and family and like and being declared as a couple or like as married like mm. I, I think that is a different thing mm. and and yes it can end but you can argue that fucking every, everything can end right like yeah. so that argument is like well you just apply that to everything but that's what I mean like if you take that defeatist view of like oh well everything could end so I'm just not going to do anything mm. rather than go yeah, yeah I don't know mm. Um, so yeah, I think that kind of fueled my like uh, perhaps fear or hesitancy or just like kind of like well, what's the point? Like I think that was it. It was like why why would I do it? Like what well, I don't have a why really. And then the other thing for me is that something that I've been really proud of that I've done, and I don't know if I'm proud of it, but it just worked out this way. And I'm like, oh yeah, I think that's a thing that I did kind of deliberately. Like I never prioritize relationships in my life. And I remember seeing a lot of my friends being like, just looking for a man, like just looking to lock him down and get a ring on that finger and do the kids thing and just get on that relationship escalator. Like that was their mission in life. Um, And I've seen people that were doing other things with their life and just dropped it all and it be their world became about their husband and kids and it's mm. like i don't think that there's something there's anything wrong with that but if i've seen someone who had other interests and other things going on in their lives and it seems like they've lost a part of their identity because they've made a hundred percent of who they are that one thing i'm like hey maybe there's an imbalance there that wasn't there previously and now there is it's like that stuff to me scares me because i don't want to lose that part of me I don't want to lose my own identity and and be and I can see myself doing that probably as well being like I'm just fucking all in on this like getting married and having kids thing like I think that's so much of the same of getting a relationship like Mm. because you said the exact same thing about getting a relationship Mm. and and I think there's some of like the non-monogamy piece where it's like it allows you to keep that like hey like I want to go explore this for myself and I think it is some of that preserving of realizing that your own needs are important to make sure you're part of a healthy couple you know to go hey like this is something i need and whether you you know yes in non-monogamy you you know the underlying piece of that you practice that in sexually or like that i think it is it, it is a good reminder throughout that of doing those things in other ways you need to be like hey i actually just need a weekend for myself mm. and being able to voice what you want mm. um because I think a lot of people do get it, you know, jump into relationships and not prioritize some of those things, not prioritize themselves and just do everything for the other person. But I think that's part of, you know, if you take away the sexual component, non-monogamy, it's like, well, what is the underlying principle? It's like realizing that you have needs that may or may not be solely coming from the other person. It's kind yeah. of just exercising your ability to have a life outside of your relationship. Yeah. Like, like quite, like to a greater degree than other people do mm. perhaps. Yeah, and that's, I think it's like, well, I, I say to people, like, it's not up to me to, contr- like, you know, I'm not here to put rules on mm. what you can and can't do. You're, you're your own person living your own life and if you do, you know, if you're into someone else or you meet someone you like, whatever, like, explore it, do what you it, want. It's a version of autonomy, right? Yeah, it's it's a, absolutely what I think the underlying piece about non-monogamy is, but I think that that autonomy, yeah, radiates through other parts of your life mm. and it's like, just a constant reminder of, hey, like, what do I need at the moment? Mm. Um, yeah, and I, and I think then to link back to the question of, like, would you continue to do that through marriage? Whether it's about marriage or whether it's just about life generally, like, it's like, okay, like, whether you have kids, like, people always ask that about, like, would you keep doing this once you had mm. kids? You, you know, all those things. It's like, I've said to you, like, I think the underlying thing of always having a space in a relationship where if there's something else you want or need, 
to be able to communicate that and talk about that mm. and then go, well, how do you get that? Mm. You know, is there anything I can do to help you get the things you need? Yeah. Or do you need to go do it? And whether that's in marriage, whether it's when you've got kids, whatever, it's like if you believe in the fundamentals of why we're doing this mm. and why we've chosen consciously to choose this life mm. and, and the way we're, we're conducting this relationship, I don't, I don't know if, I don't see that there's this like, oh, that stops when this thing happens yeah. or, hey, you've been together this long or when you live together. Sure, some of those things will change the, the circumstance and maybe make them more complex. You know, if you've got kids, when you live together, it's like, but yes, it might happen less frequently. Yes, at some point we might drop off dating apps or, you know, yes, it'll switch and change as we've had that already in the time we've been together. But mm. I think that's one of the things people are like, well, so when are you going to get serious, mm. you know? when is this thing where you're like, is this just like a stage you're going through mm. and then you go, oh, actually, no, this, like, it's it's not about that. It's, I think, for me, that that continuing on to have, you can do what you want with your life, you're autonomous, I can do mine, and ultimately, we're just choosing to then, you know, overlap in the middle mm. of, of our two own separate lives. Yeah, that's almost like on the what level of understanding things, it's non-monogamy or an open relationship, and on the how, it's however we decide to do that and on the why level it's because we practice maintaining autonomy and being individuals and doing the things that make ourselves happy because we believe that we are responsible for our happiness and it doesn't rely on somebody else to make us happy or fulfill our lives so we go and seek the things that we need and, and we we are quite deliberate in that especially around things like our time and what we need so I think what you said before was we do practice doing things outside of our relationship and, and we make sure that we have time apart and we're not always going to be together because it's like important to us that we don't kind of not suffocate each other but mm. that we make sure we fill our cup before filling each other's cup I yeah. guess in a way so I think understanding the why means that the what can change mm. it's the why that remains consistent so whether it's monogamy or non-monogamy it doesn't matter it's are we fulfilling what we need to make ourselves happy first um, what that looks like it could be different it's it's the same thing with like okay let's replace the word relationship with CrossFit mm. I'm going to do CrossFit throughout my life because I believe it's something that I need it makes it makes me happy and it makes me healthy and whether I get have kids or get married or change jobs or move cities I will continue to do CrossFit regardless of where my life circumstance takes me um, because it's something that I believe I need in the same way that the way that we practice our relationship is something that I believe I need so how things change doesn't matter though the why and the reason that we do it the fundamental reason is is the thing that we'll continue to do and 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 that might morph and change and whatever as we go I think the kids thing obviously throws in another element of complexity yeah. and that's what people get hung up on like well how would you deal with that and like what about the kids and <laughs> the best answer that I've had was reading someone commenting about like having multiple parents is not a new thing mm. like man how, how many how many children come from a divorced household yeah. I had two mums growing up because I had a stepmom and a mom. Like, mm. it's not uncommon. Like, mm. my stepbrother has got two dads. He lives with my dad and he's got his dad. Mm. Like, my ste his stepdad is his kind of primary role, like dad role. And then his actual dad is the weekend dad kind of thing. Like, you've had multiple adult figures in your life. Like, I know so many people who've, who go between houses and between adults and between parental figures. It's like, it's actually not that uncommon. And, and yes, it might be complex in terms of, like, just coordinating that shit like and and like booking out your calendar and scheduling things but it's actually it, it's something that we see in, in already in day-to-day -day life it's just something that comes under a different label and i think that's you know that's taking that to the extreme of like where there's actually really people embedded in your life that you'd be at a point ready to introduce and mm. you know your kids get to know them but fuck like i don't remember 
growing up, like, you know, my parents going to their friend's place or if my dad went somewhere to visit, it's like, it's not visible anyway. Like, mm. you know, if you choose to say, you know, you'd only be still having casual partners or whatever during that, I think it's time, energy, you know, some of that stuff that will be the, the major complexity. Mm. Um, you know, because, yeah, there's so much, like, it's like, you don't have to tell your kids everywhere you're going all the time. It's like, they'll get to a certain age where it's like, yeah, you might explain some of that. But. And you'll fuck up your kids anyway. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> like, I think somebody came to us and was like, how would you tell your kids? Like, how would you deal with it? And I was like, fuck, good question. Like, mm. um, we, we've we been in a relationship for a year. Like, I really don't know. I'm sorry. But it was coming from someone whose parents were also non-monogamous. And they were like, it really fucked me and my brother mm. up. Like, the way they went about it, they did X, Y, Z. And it was a really shitty experience for us. But I have a similar story. And I remember my dad being like, hey, I want to let you guys know that I've met someone and like I'm dating someone and and just wanted to like let you know. And I remember being so upset and so mad that he hadn't asked us first, Mm. which I don't know why. I don't know why I was like, you need to get permission from us and let us know like that's what you should do. You should care about us more than you care about them. Mm. Um, And so (laughs) I just remember being really upset and really hurt. And I really held it against my stepmom initially for a long time. And like, she's a really lovely human. So it didn't take long for me to be like, okay, fine. You're nice. I like you. God damn it. (laughs) But it was like, I remember being traumatized and like being really mad, just so mad about that. And it's like, they were in a monogamous relationship. My parents previously had been in a monogamous relationship. He was seeing someone else. It was the same experience that you probably would have in a open relationship mm. with parents seeing multiple people. Like, so I, I think you get fucked up either way, <laughs> which yeah. I'm not promoting. But like, I <laughs> don't try think. Best not I, to. Yeah, I don't think that it comes down to the label or the type of relationship. It comes down to how you talk to people, what, why you're doing things, and and how you discuss it, and and. And, and yeah, maybe coming down to like the, the, the way things are talked about and in the way that you practice. Yeah. Like it kind of is right. It just comes down to like, well, how are we going to deal with this rather than like, oh, well, non-monogamous kids get more fucked up than monogamous kids. It's like, no, that is absolutely not accurate. Well, I think that I remember now the, the person that reached out to you, they said that their parents hit it completely, didn't talk about it. Yeah. And they it found out accidentally secret. or something. Yeah. Mm. There was, and then like on the. Um, inverse of that there was there's a TED talk with a girl that talks about her parents being open so mm. she's talking about consensual right. non-monogamy what is that that's the build a bear relationship TED talk isn't it yeah I think so it's yeah. a it's a really oh, we should find that actually, yeah we'll put, put it in, in the, we'll put it in the description yeah um, but yeah it's about this, this girl that does a TED talk and yeah, her parents were non-monogamous and she was talking about the value of it and how amazing it was and all of those things and mm. it's like you know so it you can pull out find an example of someone whose parents, you know, the kids got fucked up because of their non-monogamous relationship. Mm. I'll give you a hint. There's probably a few people that had monogamous parents <laughs> that have fucked up, got fucked up kids as well. So. Are you think of anyone in particular? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a Justin Lee Miller podcast. He is the guy that does the sex and psychology podcast. And he has a podcast on kids in non-monogamous relationships. Mm. So we'll put the link up for the TED Talk and we'll put the link up for his podcast about the people being in monogamous relationships and people having kids and non-monogamous relationships. Um, So that was the question. And I think, could you be married and continue non-monogamy? So yes. Do I believe in marriage? Personally, no. Do monogamous or non-monogamous people believe in marriage? Absolutely. There are a whole lot of non-monogamous people out there who are married, polyamorous people who are married and doing whatever practices in their relationship. A lot of homosexual people that are married are usually open. I'm not going to say usually. That's a big generalization. But they've been doing this stuff for way longer than heterosexual folks. So I think it's um, more... 
accepted in their yeah, community. Yeah, way more accepted. So um, that's something that happens. So yeah, you can absolutely be married and still be non-monogamous. Okay, cool. Moving on to communication. We talked last week about last week, last so podcast. Last it was month. more like last <laughs> month. We've been on a bit of a break. Um, and then it was really hard to lock down a time and coordinate two people. I think the hard part was that when we're together, I'm like, I didn't want to rob that time that we have together to be like, we have to do yeah, some work or well, film I think a podcast. Like we had a really crazy busy week, a bit of like a weekend away co- week. COVID panic, COVID stress, then weekend birthday. And then the last week's been yeah, a Yeah, we bit did busy have a shit back. week towards the end of lockdown. Yeah. But um, now we're back. We're not here. COVID stress because we got COVID. We have not no. had COVID yet. No. I'm excited to get it and just tell the whole fucking world about how that experience is. Okay, so we talked about staying silent and convincing yourself that it's not a big deal. We talked about saying the words you always or you never. We talked about only ever giving negative feedback because we assume that the people that we love know that we love them and that we appreciate them without ever having to tell them, which is fucking false. Um, and then we also talked about like the his- the historical being hysterical, which was a really was cool thing that you brought up. I, I just like the way that sounds. It's just fun to say. Yeah. So now we're on to the last few. <laughs> so I was going to do 10, and the best part about it is I sent an email with the first six, but I listed out the last seven, eight, nine, ten, and it's just gibberish. It's just like, example, <laughs> That so was that was Greg meant to be filling them in. So when we're going to get to number seven and then we're just going to be like, That's good because that probably would have taken three podcasts <laughs> yeah. to cover. So we're already half an hour in and we haven't gotten to the questions yet. Fuck it. We're going to go Savan mode and just talk for hours. If you guys have been listening to the news with Savan on the Savan podcast, it's filmed or recorded on Monday Australia time and Sunday night in the US. That podcast is like three hours long. I cannot function after that podcast. I I'm like my I'm, my brain is dead after that. <laughs> it's like three hours. I'm just like oh my god. Okay, so back to our podcast number four. Not being willing to own your part. For example. Being the victim and stalling any possibility of growing or finding a new approach to things. So I think like the not being willing to own your part, part when I read this with fresh eyes, the first thing that came to my mind was um, learning to take feedback. And that process, it's really interesting because you have to allow yourself to think about things in terms of if someone giving you feedback or telling you the story or telling you something that they're not happy with or whatever it is, the I think the natural response in my experience is I'm always like, I'm going to think of all the ways that you're fucking wrong. <laughs> like, let me defend myself and tell you how I'll, I'll explain all of the, the stuff that you're telling me right now. And I can give you the circumstance. I can give you the reasons and I can give you why I'm right. But you have to be able to be like, I hear that shit coming up. I'm just going to park it and go, what if they're right? Mm. Actually think through that. What if they're right? If they're right. What would I do about that? Like if I'm the person that they're saying I am, is that the kind of person that I want to be? And can I see examples of what they're telling me in my behavior? And is that something that maybe is affecting people in ways that I don't realize? And what happens really quickly when you do that is suddenly your guard comes down and suddenly you actually feel often quite bad about it, which is you you do feel bad about it when someone's giving you feedback that is possibly negative, but it's not bad about them. It's it's bad about yourself. So that's why you go into defense mode. Like you feel shit and you're like, wait, no, 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 no. Like I'm not like that. I'm not doing it. And and the fact of the matter maybe is that it wasn't intentional. It wasn't deliberate. So that's why 
we get defensive because it feels like someone's telling us that we went out of our way to do something in a way that's affected someone else in, sh- in a shitty way. So we try to defend ourselves. But when you go, okay, they're right, I did something, it upset them or it affected them in this way or I fucked that up and, and this is what happened, this is the consequence, you're like, I don't want to do that again. I, I don't want to do that again. Or in some cases, you'll stand by what you did. Like there are definitely cases where I'm like, look, I hear them and I'm going to make some changes, but I'm going to take a little bit of this and take a little bit of that. I'm going to leave that other stuff because I'm, 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 this is who I am and this is what I want to be. So it allows you to almost objectively take an assessment of like what you did, where you're at, what you are okay with and what you're not okay with. Mm. Um, so like that was a really big part of just coaching with um, seminar staff, getting feedback and being like, you always want to go back to them and be like, this is why I did that though. This is, listen to me. Like, I'll, I'll explain it. It's, I just, oh, I, I just fucked that little bit up and I, could, I don't normally do that. Or like, oh, nah, like it was just this. And oh, I just had a bad day. Or like, oh no, I was, pre- I was really tired. And like, oh no, I, I, I meant for it to be different. And it's like, hang on a second. If they're right, then it means that this is what happened. And it means that I need to change that next time. And it's like, it's just a really, it's, it's hard because it really takes you, like it says here, like not being willing to own your part. You have to fucking own your part and own all the shit parts of yourself, which is like, you don't really want to do that because you don't believe that you're a shit human <laughs> or like that you do shit things. It's like, Hey, like sometimes you suck at stuff and that's okay. Um, and the sooner that you're willing to recognize that and be like, all right, fuck, maybe I do suck at that thing, but not let that threaten who you are as a person and just be like hey I did that thing and that's the thing out there and it's like it, it it's not necessarily a personal attack it's like hey let that go like mm. we're still here the reason I'm giving you that feedback is because they they, they want to tell you and share it with you and improve things so the sooner that you can be like hey maybe they're right I do need to change my behavior rather than like it's not a personal uh, rather than thinking it's an attack on who I am as a person and like they're they're saying that I'm this kind of person it's like no it's a behavior thing can you change the behavior um, so I went on a little bit of a tangent, a little bit of a winding road there, but yeah, what I have think, you got for me, Greg? Tell I th- me. I think we talked about in the f- maybe the first episode around that sort of personal attack thing. It's like even – so if you're the person giving that feedback or talking about that, not letting it be personal. Talk about, hey, talk about the problem. And, and I think that's as soon as you start attacking someone's character in order to try and make your point, it, it makes things super hard and super complicated because people are going to be even more on that defense and, and start attacking back because it's like mm. you hurt their feelings about who they are or you start to talk about that. But um, it made me think about the podcast I was listening to yesterday, the Tristan Harris one. Um, was on Rogan. Uh, he's the guy that did the social dilemma. Um, so he was talking about sort of even finding like middle ground with someone about what you agree on was one of the things you talked about is saying, okay, what is it that we actually agree on and then work out from there to be like, okay, what are the facts that we agree on? Like, and I think in that, it's like, you might actually land where it's like, hey, you know, whatever the feedback was of like, hey, you know, you did this wrong by me. We go, okay, well, like how, how did we both contribute to this? Mm. And maybe even agreeing on that to start with or like what, you know, what could I have done? Sort of owning, both owning those things. Yeah, together that's because a really then good it point. makes it a lot easier to then go okay look we both agree I could have done this a little bit better you could have done that a little bit better now let's talk about the next bit the next layer out and I think that just sort of soft- softens it a little bit in a way where you know you've got to own up to your shit if you want someone else to own up to their shit mm-hmm. and it's like there's no point just I think in every situation particularly if it's around communication you know is is putting saying to someone hey you should have done this whatever maybe you can learn of 
how did you communicate the ask? You know, if you ask someone to do something and they didn't do it, and instead of just going straight into like, why didn't you do this? I asked you to do it. You said you do it. Well, did you communicate it well in yeah. your ask? Did you explain it in a way that it was easy for them? You know, whatever the contributing factors, I think you can always maybe self-reflect a little bit to say, could, could I have done anything better to change the outcome at the same time as they might have not done the right thing? Um, you know, and then the conversation becomes different, right? Like yeah. if you've got a problem because somebody didn't do something that you asked them to do, it's a partner or a friend or whatever the relationship is. If you've gone and going, well, hey, why didn't you do that? I asked you to do that. That's mm. like quite confrontational and it's a little bit, it's directed at that person and it, mm. it kind of like highlights the fault being that person not doing the thing. But if you've gone, hey, what did I do? Did I contribute to this? Did I not ask them in the right way? The question could then be, hey, I know that I asked you to do that thing, um, but like you haven't done it. So is there a better way that I can like ask you? Like, what, how do you like to be like, what kind of support do you need? Like, I even remember talking to you about that in terms of like doing housework. Mm. You were like, I fucking hate being asked. <laughs> You're like, if you ask me to do housework, I will not enjoy that process. And like, I know that we're in a different place now. And I think that conversation, it looks quite different. But I think that you'd come from a place where somebody had been asking you to do shit a lot or nagging you maybe. Is that yeah, why? Yeah, mum growing yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like asking. So then it was like, I remember being like, okay, well, what if I need you to do something? Like, how do I do it? And you're like, if you start doing it, I will suddenly get the hint real quick. Hmm. Um, so it was it was almost like a can you lead by example and that's how I will be able to contribute I think um, that, without that, feeling that, without feeling pissed off about it. That particular thing is very much I think a tone thing as well. The way someone asks or the way so someone tells me to do like yeah, there's a tone to it. Just the mum tone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I've told you a couple of times when you've done that. I'm like, hey, the way you said that. Not, let's not do that. I also find that really funny though. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, what I was going to say on that is like, you know that that's something like for me often, like with work for me, like I'll, I'll need, you know, I'll debrief my whole day essentially in the way of like, I'll replay some of those conversations with people to go, wait, how did I handle that thing? Could I have done that better? What, like if it didn't go the way that I wanted it to, or if it was good, or I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll often go through that process with a lot of those interactions. Maybe to the doing it too much thinking through like how could i you're not an overthinker are you no, no not at all not at all absolutely not <laughs> um ruthless, ruthlessly introspective <laughs> um sometimes I mean, to my it. detriment it takes, it takes being introspective to yeah. be able to be like okay what what did i fuck up yeah. and i think that I often look back and we can look back with rose-colored glasses at relationships and play the victim role. Like I said, it's like if you play the victim, it's very easy to put the blame in the – It's it was somebody else doing it and I was just – I was just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's like, no, fucking bullshit. So I think I can look back at my relationship where I was with someone who cheated on me and he was cheating on me for like for six out of the seven months that we were together and I'm like, man, what – wow, why did that happen? I thought we were in such a nice relationship, but I was the perfect girlfriend. And then it's like, you know what? No, like I can look back on that and I can find points that were difficult and shitty and, mm. and not great. And we didn't communicate very well. And he definitely wasn't communicating to me. And then it was, it was just sticky and not smooth and just, yeah, we just had moments that weren't great. And I'm like, okay, I, I can see how that happened. And, and I can see how I... I definitely contributed to being in the position that I ended up in. Like, and I'm not going to take all the blame for that because I think it still takes an, a person that's not got great 
values or morals or like to non-consensually be non-monogamous with someone. <laughs> yeah, to cheat, right? I'm yeah. like, you still got to be an asshole to do that. So I'm like, I'll give him the credit for being the asshole. Yeah. But like it, the relationship was not perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we had a lot of issues. And I think had they not come up at the time that they did, they would have come up later down the line. Yeah. No doubt, right? Like he wasn't communicating. I was, there was stuff missing with me as well. So it's like, as much as I would love to be like, oh, he's just a narcissistic prick and like, poor me. It's like, no, you know what? Like, it wasn't a great relationship and it's very easy to look back and be like, no, but I was such a great girlfriend. Why would anybody ever want to cheat on me? Like, how dare they? It's like, no, like it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. We had a lot of ups and downs, especially because it was long distance for a while at the end and it's just like, it was shit. Like mm-hmm. it was shit. There were a lot of bad times. So yeah, I think if you're reflecting back on stuff, if you're giving feedback to someone, make sure that you are ready to be like, okay, hey, like I did this, Mm. you responded like that, is this something that I can do differently? And then I think more often than not, the person that's taking the feedback is like, okay, well, I actually did this. Mm. I can do this differently. Even I just thought about like not not giving feedback as well. Mm -hmm. Because like we're talking a lot about like when you're giving feedback, not like, but I even know from some of the DMs you've got and just like talking to people, it's like complaining about like or not some, um, so the scenario I thought about was like people saying, talking to you and going, oh, my husband hasn't cooked dinner or helped me around the house for 15 years. And it's like, it's really easy to go, oh, my husband's a dick because he hasn't done all this stuff. It's like, well, what have you done in those 15 years to communicate what you need? What are you like? What's your part in that thing? Like, I think how that, do you get to fifteen years complaining about that? But that's what I mean. Like, like that literally. that shows, hey, like yes, like I think that's the perfect example of this. Like, it's been fifteen years of enabling. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, well, hey, if in the first year you set up this thing where you just did everything for them, if you're five years in, three years, whatever the time frame is, going, oh, well, they never do it. Go back, think, hang on, what did I do in order to create this? If you didn't speak up, if you didn't set expectations around what you wanted, what you needed from them early, hey, it's on you as well. So, mm. you know, and, and so I think that's just something there where it's like people will externally complain about, oh, my partner never does this or they always do this, whatever it is. It's like if you're saying that to other people externally, but you're not saying it to your partner, you're just as guilty of the problem mm. because you're just sitting back going, oh, they, they're shit because of this. Some people like, are getting so burned right now. That's like, fine. Oh, fuck. Okay, so All what right. do they do? Like, is that like, well, tough shit, like you fucked it up and this is just the way things are now. Like in, in the case of someone who's multiple years deep and like these pretty well-defined like roles, I guess you play, right? That one person does the one thing that they always do and they fucking don't like it because the other person doesn't do it. It's like, okay, well, is it too late? How do you talk about that? I think the sooner you own the fact of like, it's your job to communicate that as well. Like, and that's, I think once you own that and be willing to own your part in that to go, Hey, I have, and look super hard. I'm sure it's super challenging to do. Hey, for the last 12 years, I know that I usually do the dishes, but I, I actually really don't like it. I don't think you need <laughs> to bring in the me? history in that. Like, I don't think you need to say, hey, for the last 12 years, like, you haven't done this. Like, No, 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 not in the, you haven't done that. Mm. In the, I know that I've contributed by doing this thing since we've met. No, I still don't think you need to, like, You don't? You that. don't reckon bring it no, up? No, I think, like, once you've owned it and you go, Just hey, all forward. right, I've fucked up. I should have set expectations around what I want and need. You should be able to, if you've got communication and, you know, and... and well, no, look, you don't have to have communication first. I think well, that's the beginning of it. Being yeah. like, hey, like... I, I mean, let's the set skills a, a, to raise that with your partner. Yeah. 
because that, that's a big step for a lot of people. That was the first I think that's the beginning of And that's what I've struggled in the past is like that. How do you even start the conversation where you're like, hey, I need to talk to you about something. That's how you start it. Yeah, no, but that's what's hard for a lot <laughs> yeah, of people. Yeah. I've been in relationships where I've been stuck and haven't been able to do that. So yeah, and so saying that is the beginning of the communication, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but okay. that ta- I'm saying that takes a skill to even, and it, it's hard to even get. But how do you have the skill before you've done the thing? That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to move on. <laughs> um, you know, so, so you can say, hey... I've really been thinking about some things and this is some stuff that I need or I'm feeling like, hey, I'm feeling really overwhelmed or I'm stressed at the moment and it would really, you know, I want to chat about how we split up mm. duties around the house or cooking or, hey, there's some stuff like I, I need. I think you can bring up that and say, can we talk about this thing without dragging up like, hey, for the last 15 years, you've been shooting your pad and help me. Um you know, because I think that then just causes a bit of an inflammatory thing of like, well, you know, you start throwing shit at each other. Whereas I think you can, you should be able to at any point say, hey, I, this is what I need from you. I really like the idea of talking about, and we discussed this in the last episode, where you talk about the the problem not being the what is going on, but the way you're feeling. So I think sometimes coming at it from like, hey, Right now, I feel pissed off. I feel overwhelmed. I'm really stressed out. I get upset really easily. Some days I feel really good. Some days I feel really bad. Um, I feel like I have a really, really long to-do list. I feel sad because of the shit going on in the world. I feel I'm, I'm scared a lot. Like, if you come to someone saying, hey, like, I'm, I'm having this experience right now. And I, I really need to create a solution. And I don't know what that looks like. Can we talk about this? And it's almost like you're asking for their help. Mm-hmm. And I think that that approach as like a, I, I trust you and I know that you care about me. I think that it's quite a loving way to be like, I have a problem. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm at. And, and part of that will be them, them contributing to that problem because they're not doing things that, are, that, that you need, right? Mm-hmm. Because that has not been met. So I think that coming to it with like, this is how I'm feeling. This is where I'm at. I think that gives them an opportunity to feel um, feel like you're confiding in them, to mm. feel like you're asking for advice and help and to feel like they can contribute to the solution rather than being told what they need to do rather yeah. than having the mum tone, right? Being like, yeah. hey, I feel shit and you need to do this because mm. when you're not doing that, it makes me feel terrible. It's like, that's not a bad way to go about it. But I think if you can be like, I... I am in this place. I want to come up with a solution, but I'm really stuck with it. Do you have ideas? Can we can we talk about it? I just need someone to talk to about this stuff. I think when you can open up about what's actually going on under the hood, I think that gives someone insight into what's what what you're feeling and where you're at, rather than like the problem being the fucking dishes or the problem being whatever the problem may be. It's like hey, if, if it's because it's not it's never the dishes, right? No. It, it's not those small things. Yes, they can be annoying, but they often add up and they compound because it's been all this time of doing that and then you've got the feeling of like being stuck or feeling like you have to do it and you're always responsible for those things and you're the person that has the job of you know it's like there's a lot more going on to that with that and it's like if if you've come to someone saying i feel like i have to be the boss all the time i feel like i have to be in control all the time and it's really like just become too much for me i think that gives that 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 almost then not enables them to continue to do the problem it enables them to be the problem solver Hmm. Yeah, it's like Brene Brown stuff around vulnerability. It's like leading with that, like Mm. leading with vulnerability will always get a better result. And it's like, whether it's in relationship stuff, work stuff, it's like, you know, for me, like that 
stuff with Bray really resonates in a work sense for me, but I think in relationship as well, mm. like where it's like instead of just like when you're stressed, like yelling and shouting at people saying, Hey, I need this done, this is deadline, blah 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 instead of saying, Hey, like I'm really under the pressure at the moment. You know, we've got a lot to do, whatever it is, and so I want to come together with you. And it's mm. like you create that unity in, in you're solving the problem together. Mm. And it comes the same thing in a relationship and like what you said before about, you know, if you were to ask me to help with housework, if you would just say, hey, can you do the dishes? That I, w- I would have a reaction to that. But if you said, hey, um, you know, say we, were, we had friends coming over or something like that. And you're like, hey, I feel really stressed about... You did it yesterday. You were yeah. like, hey, can you contribute? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's what it's like. And, and it's like, if you feel like you're under that stress or you share that, hey, I'm feeling really stressed and here's the thing that you can do to help me with that. That's where for me, the way that I'm wired, I'm very much an empath and I want to help. Yeah. People so want to like, help, right? People yeah. don't want to make Most that relationship difficult. <laughs> um, <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, so that, that for me, that's my communication style and how if someone says to me, hey, I feel really stressed and I need your help and this, this is the thing that you could do in order to make me feel less stressed. I'll jump to it straight away. I'll help. Yeah, and it's so like, if you I can lead with reaction. that, then yeah. I think that that makes a significant difference. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, bring that up to your partner to say, hey, like, we've been, this is going on, whatever. Like, I just think it makes a huge difference rather than just saying, hey, I need you to cook dinner tonight. Yeah, yeah. it becomes about me talking shared, about myself rather than problem. me talking about you doing shit. Well, you create a shared <coughs> problem that you're both, both solving together, which is Yeah, cool. yeah. Number five. Avoiding conversations or stonewalling. So we did talk about staying silent in yeah, episode we kind of covered that. six, part one. So yeah, we probably don't need to go into this too much. I think stonewalling is important though, mm. because stonewalling speaks more to rather than just not talking to someone because you are not able to perhaps be the instigator of a conversation or of needing to talk about something and being like, okay, I'm going to actually take that action. I think stonewalling often can be when someone's trying to talk to you. And the reason that the example is actually from my ex hanging up on me when we were having like a really shitty conversation it wasn't we weren't having a fight but it had things had been tense because I'd felt really disconnected from him because he'd just moved to Sydney so it was like within the first week I think and it was just like I was we weren't talking to each other we weren't seeing each other and it was just like I think I was freaking out because I was like, I don't know what's going on. Why does this feel weird? And then I was shutting off a little bit. So I was like, I'll just leave him alone. Like, I'll just give him space. It's probably me. I'll just like back off. So then we suddenly were even more distanced. Um, And I remember talking to him and I was on a seminar weekend. So I was fucking away working as well, which was annoys me when that shit comes up. And I'm like, man, I'm, I, I don't need to be dealing with this right now. Um, And I was on the phone to him on the Friday night and he was, I think planning to like go out with his mates and we were kind of having this like conversation that was, it wasn't bad. I'm not a, I'm not a yelly, argue kind of confrontational person. It was like, Hey, like what's going on? This feels not great. And I don't know how to deal with this. And it was just kind of tense. And then I think it was kind of maybe getting to a point where it was like, do we keep doing this? Or like, is this making us really miserable? Um, And he just hung up on me, like kind of out of the blue where he was like, I can't do this right now. Um, And we were literally like kind of mid conversation. And then he hung up on me to the point where I was like, did his line go dead? What happened? (laughs) Did he lose Wi-Fi? I don't get it. Did I, what's my service like? Like, 
I'm like, kind of came out of nowhere. I hadn't been hung up on. I don't think I've ever been hung up on by a partner. We weren't young. Like, the, mm. I was 20, oh, 28 or 29. He was 29 or 30. I'm like, we're not in fucking high school. Like, that was a really weird thing to do. But it was someone that just didn't have the skill or the ability to just talk out hard stuff like just didn't want to deal with it at all and and you know maybe he had a whole lot of guilt and shame and things going on because he was cheating on me and he knew it and I didn't know it at the time so it was like maybe he was just like I can't face this I just need to get off the phone um but yeah I remember that being such a shock and being like oh fuck and then he just ignored me for the entire night and I was like hey man that's not very cool um so yeah that was and there's an example of me being like we were i was in it was a perfect relationship how did that happen and it's like no it was it was far Maybe from not. it yeah <laughs> but um yeah so i think stonewalling like when someone does make a bid to communicate no matter how bad it is and and people will fuck that up right like people will fuck up how they reach out to you how they make a bid to talk about something that that's important to them whether it's a good thing or a bad thing like it's something that's important to them and i think if you shut that off if you stonewall which means that you just become unresponsive or you stop talking to someone like that person that's that doesn't talk to you like you know a friend like I remember not talking to a friend mm. when I was in high school she said that I dress like a slut <laughs> and I was like yes I do <laughs> no at the time I was so mad I was so mad because I used to wear denim shorts and they were pretty short but they weren't like my mum let me out of the house in them she <laughs> bought them for me you know like I wasn't buying my own clothes I was you've, like 13 you've come so far I've between <laughs> then and and starting this episode <laughs> telling people about a paddle with she the was a very conservative it. friend okay <laughs> <laughs> I was not a slut at all. I didn't even have a body to be slutty with, you know? Like, I was just like a kid. I remember the hearing that she thought that I dressed like a slut. And I was like, oh, how dare she? How dare she? And because I was so frigid as a kid as well. Like, I, you know, like, I don't, I think I'd kissed a boy maybe at that point, maybe once or something. And no. I was like, oh, I'm not even a slut. Do you remember the frigid, At least call the me a slut when I am a slut. Used to do? What? The frigid test. Do you remember? Is, is that a New Zealand the thing? The frigid test. Frigid there test. was a test to test yeah. frigidity. Yeah. What was it like? How far can you tolerate a hand being slid up your yeah, thigh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was basically that you started with a finger, like I think, on someone's lip, <gasps> and you basically went like down their body, and and see like <gasps> when they go, like when they stop you. Whoa, I remember that at high school. I remember that like early high school, that being a thing where like people like would sexual start harassment. there like down their chest <gasps> and like, yeah, if you got like belly button or wet and then it was like whatever point you're like, no, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pass that test with flying colors? No, I think I probably was frigid back then as well. I was shy. I was a late bloomer. You're a late bloomer. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have my first like kiss until like now. 16, oh, 15, 15. no, 15. Maybe four, fifteen. Yeah, it was a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and wow. here we are. <laughs> this is awesome. I think I'd pass the test now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would. Um, okay, so <laughs> where were we? <laughs> Stormwalling. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things I was going to say about Stonewalling. Oh, hang on. So the story, the point of the story was okay. she called me slut and I stopped talking to her for like months. Yeah. We never even became proper good friends again. I just stopped talking to her and that's Stonewalling. You don't deal with it. You just mm. avoid it and you avoid it by not communicating with that person at all. I think the thing to make sure we don't get that mixed up with is um, something like being really clear with your partner if you haven't had the discussion 
about how they handle conflict. Mm. Um, shorts are so provocative. They are. <laughs> Yay, we have people in the comments. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, do you want me to hide shorts my legs? Shorts are so provocative. Do you know what? There we I go. I'll make the it easier for you. <laughs> Greg's shorts right now are probably the length of my shorts. No, my shorts were definitely shorter than that. my legs crossed. Do you know what? I was so skinny when I was a kid. I was just bones and a yeah. little bit of muscle. Like I, I'm like, how am I a slut? <laughs> Like this is not being a slut because I still need knew to what slut. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's still a problem. <laughs> okay, back to story. Um, yeah, I think that like um, being really clear with your partner about how they handle conflict is yeah. is important because you know you could take stonewalling as someone just needing space, mm. and for some people, after, you know, at conflict they'll need just a little bit of space to reflect. Like, I think just making sure you don't like if your partner's like, hey, I just need. 10 minutes to chill out or I just need to go for a walk or I need half an hour or I need I an need hour. A day. Yeah, to not then go, oh, you're stonewalling me and it's like, hey, like, understand they need what they need. I think it's important to say, like, you know, if you know what they need and they say, look, generally when I handle conflict, I need just an hour to go chill out, do whatever. It's like, give them, give them what they need then. But if you're still then, you know, later that night, you're like, hey, can we talk about what happened earlier? And they're still, you know, and, and they're not even communicating about what they need mm-hmm. is maybe the important thing. And then, back, you know, if you're the partner, then setting that boundary to be like, hey, I'm not stonewalling you. I just need this. I don't think that's stonewall because you are actually talking to them about what you need at that time. It might be that you're not ready to, fully talk it through because you're still processing it but I think that's maybe just as a distinction between the two yeah I think that's a really good point I think having the conversation around how do you deal with conflict how did your parents deal with conflict like what's an example of how your parents sort out an argument or Mm. sort out like something that they disagree on um I know that we've kind of had that conversation around like, well, this is what I normally do. And I remember you having that insight as well when I was like, I don't really know like why I shut off or like I shut down and I'd Mm. sort of go into like a little Kate space where I'm like, I'm just, I'm just going to go and shrivel up in a corner over here for a while. Okay. Because I'm a, I'm a like want to talk about it at the time person. You're a need a bit of space person. And it's like, once you know that it's like, okay, like, if you say, hey, I just need but to I, process. But I often, I always feel better when I talk about it. And yeah. so I think that my automatic response is actually not reflective of what I would like to do that actually works through things to help, to get me to a point where I actually feel good about things. Yeah. So the the longer we've been together, the shorter that time's become. Mm. Where like if something goes happens or I feel upset about something or fuck it, if I'm just tired, if it's just a bad day and I'm like just tired. Like when you fell off your bike. <laughs> like when I fell off my bike. <laughs> It's like, I don't, today's going to be a bad day. I don't want to talk day. about it. I, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> it was an awful day. Um, I, like I do, like I, I automatically am like, I just don't want the world to see me. Like I don't mm. want to, I'm just going to go figure this shit out on my own. And I think that you said something really insightful that I, insightful that I, I appreciated because it actually, one, made me go, oh, fuck, you pay attention. Um, and two, like I, I learned something about myself. You were, you were like, I think you do it because you've always – been through that process on your own so you're really good at doing it on your own like you'll go and sort out your own feelings and you'll f- make yourself feel good or you'll get to a point where you just get over it eventually mm-hmm. and then you come back out to the world and you're just your normal self mm-hmm. and so that's that was my process at the time like and I didn't even realize that it. it was just like I would go hide away for a little while 
go feel upset go like watch a movie on my own and eat a whole lot of chocolate or ice cream or whatever it was maybe have a cry and then like the next day i'll be like oh yeah yesterday was a great day i'm totally fine i don't know what you're talking about you know like i'd almost totally forget about it and you wouldn't even have any idea it was just like i just got to a point where i'm like okay and i'm over it Mm. except with you and there's a really great podcast on multi-amory where they talk about internal processes versus external processes and i think it's called are you a spitter or a <laughs> it's something like that <laughs> it's like are you a oh what yeah, is that you remember story. and there's like a name i remember sending that to a friend being like you need to listen to this because she, she was like i'm so sorry i keep telling you all this stuff and i was like no it's cool like i realize you're a you're a spitter <laughs> sure yeah i mean no. it's appropriate are you a where you're going to find it right now. So they talk about being an external processor versus an internal processor. And I think I've worked my way towards being more of an internal processor just by default because I tend to be on my own and I'll process things. Mm. You're more of an external processor. But I want to be an external processor because whenever we do eventually talk about things, I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. And then that time that I would normally take that's like maybe two days to like get over something or 24 hours can be reduced down to like five hours or three hours. See, I don't know whether it's that I'm an external communicator in that way. What takes its toll on me in those scenarios is what I said before about that internal voice and being so in in like um, introspective. introspective in that way where I spend, my brain will keep wondering like, like if I've done something wrong or right, what's like going on and how you, what's, like if someone's like, acting a little bit weird and it's like hey like is everything okay it's just like the empath in you yeah but that's what it is it's like it 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 takes a lot of energy if i know someone is upset or something like that and i don't know why Mm. and i want to understand because it's like well you know i want to understand what's wrong so if then i can if i can understand whether i can help resolve it or if i had a part to play in it Mm. so it's very much like that part as long as i know that and that's what i think i said to you really early was like hey if you need that space just say to me i need some space everything's good with us like we're cool um you know give me something so i know okay it's everything's fine i don't need to be stressed because otherwise i spend that whatever that space is where someone's like hey i need a gap just my brain going like what Mm. can i do differently Mm. um We've got a question in the in the chat. Do you want to answer? Do you want to do the last one on this, or and then come to that? How do you want to? Does Greg give you any prompts for communicating in those circumstances? Did I just? Is that what I? Well, it could be about a previous part of the episode, Sarah. If you're still listening, let me know specifically what circumstances um, I would get a prompt for communicating that stuff. Um, Are you a chewer or a spitter? A chewer or a spewer. Or a spewer. <laughs> Still stuck on spitter. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was something along those lines. Yeah. Are you a chewer or a spewer? Episode two far, two six four four on multi-amory. We'll put that in the show notes along with the other ones. Really good in terms of like soon. understanding how you like to deal with things and if you're someone who really likes to talk it out or if you're someone who does it kind of on your own. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. So, well, I think that was kind of in terms of like, hey, talk about the way that you deal with conflict, talk about the way that you communicate, because stonewalling isn't necessarily always just stonewalling. It can be someone that just needs to internally process. Okay, so... Yeah, so when I shut off. Yeah, okay, cool. So if I 
the question is, does Greg yeah. give you any prompts for communicating in those circumstances when I shut off? Like if I'm just like, I'm going to go into my bubble. Um, yeah, I normally, well, actually you're very good at picking up on that now. Hmm. We're like, I think it's physical. Yeah. I, um, like, I remember that day that you bike hurt someone like, I put my hand on your leg and then, and then you're like, <laughs> break down. <laughs> or a couple of times I've just grabbed you and given you a hug and you're like, okay, that's what it like. Yeah. Yeah. So I think something that I try to do now is what Greg said before, where the thing that makes him feel better and feel more secure is knowing that we're actually okay. And it's just something that I'm figuring out. So um, an example of that is actually we had, Greg had a date one night and he was hanging out with a girl and he came over to my place the next day. And I remember still feeling a little bit like just a little bit uptight about it. Like no, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't unhappy. It was just sometimes you deal with those emotions and it's, it, it is kind of hard to, it's just an uncomfortable emotion and you feel, you do feel insecure. And this was, this was oh kind of a while ago. So it was like a, a little earlier on in our relationship and he came over and I just remember still feeling a bit like just a little bit on, on edge, like a little unsure and feeling a little upset about it and I remember just saying like hey like I just needed you to know I'm, I'm just processing that right now and and like we're good and I'm, I'm super happy with like where we're at and, and things but I just I just want to make sure that you know that right now I'm like this because I'm just I'm just kind of still digesting it kind of thing um and even in the process of saying that it made me feel kind of a bit, bit of a release mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I think the prompts are you just know, like you pick up on it because my, my body, my body language tends to be fairly obvious. Cause I do get real quiet. Mm. I will say, Hey, like we're okay. Mm. Um, I'm just doing this. So I kind of clarify, like I'm just going through that process. Like I'm just dealing with that. I'm just figuring that out. Um, and then you'll often offer like, do you want to talk about it? And that's when I'll say yes or no. Mm. And more often than not now, I think I say like, yes, or I'll start saying something about it and then we'll kind of get into a conversation about it. And that's when I get a chance to talk. I'm trying to think of any cases where I've said like, no, I just need time. But I don't think that's happened for a while now. Like I, I more and more, like I said, like the time between feeling upset or uncomfortable around something has just reduced down massively because I actually enjoy talking about it as hard as it can be. I think when I was going off on my own to deal with it, it actually just prolonged the actual dealing with it. Like, I don't think it was actually processing. It was distract, numb, avoid, deny, be doing something else, go watch TV, go get food, whatever. And then I would just over time be like, okay, I kind of have forgotten about it. I woke up the next day being like, ah, it wasn't a big deal, whatever. So I think what happens is when I talk about it, I actually deal with it immediately rather than just like waiting for my memory to become less... (laughs) less clear or like waiting for a night to feel yeah like (laughs) like some kind of immediate gratification so I think that what I was doing where I felt like I was going off and figuring it out is actually just not dealing with it Mm. so now it's I actually deal with it immediately and the sooner that I can do that the the better I tend to feel more quickly so yeah I I think the prompt is hey like we're okay but I'm just dealing with this Mm. you'll respond with do we need to talk do you need something what what can we do Mm. and then usually we end up talking about it so far we have yeah Cool. We have one more. Being malicious in response to someone doing wrong by you. So I have two examples of this. Greg's neighbor right now loves a banger, loves to play a late night tune (laughs) all night though. Just like (laughs) she's like nocturnal or something. Um, (laughs) 
and just plays and I don't even know some kind of electronic dubstepy weird like ravey kind of music that's like it's pretty just, hard you can only hear the bass line it's <laughs> hard music though like yeah. I can't even pick up on like w- there's no songs I recognize mm. it's not a style of music that I'm like oh yeah I kind of know that like it's not trancey it's not like it's not typical EDM stuff it's not super mainstream I mean if it is like maybe I, I you just can't hear the melody or the lyrics yeah, at all yeah. it's all just like fucking doof doof <laughs> so if we wanted to to get even i would 100 percent play real loud music at our typical waking times which is like you'll wake up at 5 30 i'll wake up at like six so like man we could be t- super malicious and just get back at her and that would be one way to respond to someone doing that another example is someone tailgating you and then you slowing down i do this you do that all the time yeah. Or someone driving slow, so you tailgate them. No, I don't do that. You do, because I've asked you to fucking back off from people a few times. <laughs> Maybe I sometimes do. Yeah. <laughs> Your just perception of depth is different to mine. <laughs> so I think when you get even to make yourself feel better, that's probably one of the worst ways you can communicate in a relationship, whether it's your neighbor or that person driving in front of you yeah. on the road or your partner. Um, and I'm a big one on this. Like I, I think it comes from having a sibling and I was the eldest, the oldest. So I was real hung up on making sure that things were fair. And if it wasn't fair, I felt like I hadn't been done right by I was like, this is fucking bullshit. He's two years younger than me. Why does he get to stay up as late as me? That's not okay. When I was his age, I had to go to bed an hour ago. This isn't fair. What the hell? Like anything. Like he got a bike. I didn't get a bike until I was four. Like (laughs) always the older child that's spoiled. (laughs) Not spoiled. The younger child. You had no rules. The younger kid gets all the same rules as the older kid. And that used to do my fucking head in. So I'm really aware of anything that I feel like is uneven, unfair. One person gets more, one person gets less. I tally things. I tend to keep scoreboards. <laughs> I really try not to anymore. <laughs> but I'm, I'm aware of when I do that. So it's really easy when someone does something that I feel like is unfair or wrong or like not okay or they've behaved in a certain way, I will often respond by behaving in a worse way. Mm. So either in the same way that they've behaved to get back at them or I'll one-up them, right? Mm. Like if they did that, then I'll do this. If they played music at night, I'll fucking play music first thing in the morning and wake them up. Like whatever it may be, like they didn't do the dishes, I won't do the dishes for a fucking week. Like, you know, anything. Find something bad and I'll do it back to them to get even, to get revenge because it's out of malicious intent because they did something wrong to me rather than actually being like, hey, um, please stop playing music so loud late at night. It just makes me realize why me and my sister didn't get along when we were younger. You just realized that just then? No, no, no. (laughs) So... Slight tangent, but a story about how much of a shitty little pain in the ass younger brother I was. We joined this like CD club when we were younger that like you get like a mail order CD. So you could, and I remember like you could choose like two CDs a month or whatever, maybe one, whatever the deal was. I was young. I was the younger brother. Sister was older. And I remember one of them, I knew there was this CD that she really wanted. And I think we had to alternate between who got to pick the next month or something like that. And I remember picking the CD she wanted because I knew that then she'd have to borrow it from me if she wanted to listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was Human Nature was the CD. I still remember that. But did she do anything to you first? 
No. Oh, well, she was it, just an older sister. Ongoing, but like, then I wonder why, like, you know, we were always at each other for the rest of our lives because it was... Like, I don't know why we didn't we get along. We were both shitheads to each other, probably, no <laughs> doubt. And it's like, but I think about like, okay, I did that thing. Like, I probably copped it back in some other format. So, anyway. I definitely think that an underlying thing that comes with somebody who is malicious in response to something that they feel they've had done wrong to them is the scoreboard thing. And this can go for not not, not just bad things happening, but for good things happening. So yeah. not only can you keep score of all the times you didn't take the trash out, of all the times you didn't pay for food, of all the times you didn't do the dishes, of all the times you didn't drive, of all the times you didn't pack the kids' gear up, of all the times you didn't whatever. Mm. You can also keep score of all the good things that you did, mm. of all the times you did do the dishes, of all the times you did clean the car, of all the times you did buy the food, whatever mm. it may be, you can keep score of those things. A lot of the times they're not even either. Mm. So it's like it is It is often they've done the bad things and you can highlight all the times they they wronged you and you can only highlight all the times you were doing the good things. So it's like I did X, Y, Z and you, did, you didn't do this thing and then that thing. So it's like it's not even an even or fair comparison as much as you feel like you're the queen of fairness. It's like, no, all you're doing is comparing all the great things you did against all the worst things they did. You have to compare all the great things they did against all the great things that you did. You can't compare bad things with good things. It has to be bad and bad or good and good. So I think the scoreboard is something that can be like a – um, maybe maybe an underlying issue with that um, that someone that's going to be malicious in response to something something going on I think the hard thing about relationships is like looking at that holistically because you can go well you haven't done the washing for three months whatever it is and it's like have they done are they the only one that's done the lawn for the last three months or like you know it's 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 really hard I think in a relationship to Without, like, you know, you shouldn't be keeping a story, but to make sure there's balance and equilibrium through all of these different aspects that, you know, like going out on dates, paying for dinners, whatever it is, it's like, well, that and housework. It's like, how do you, if you're trying to even put some form of maths to try and figure out what is fair to that, I think it's really hard because it's, there's so many different aspects of what's, you know, in, in your relationship. So, um, yeah, I think the scoreboard is not a healthy thing. No. And I know that I do it and I, I try to be vocal about it. Like if I'm like, hey, like I've, I keep tracking this or like I'm aware of this. We often talk about it because we compare cooking and cleaning. Yeah. So something that you do regularly is you cook like mm. all the time. And it's something that's super like you don't even notice that you're doing. It's really automatic. You tend to cook more than I do. Mm. I clean more. And often in response to the fact that you've cooked so much. Mm. So I'm like, you cooked, I'll, I'll clean. And you hate that because you're like, no, like I need to do more cleaning and this is my mess and I should be cleaning up and you're making me feel bad about it. So we end up having these conversations where I'm like, hey, you got to let me clean. Mm. <laughs> and you're like, no, like I got to do the cleaning too. And I'm like, yeah, but you've been cooking every single meal for the past two weeks. <laughs> like, we had a good conversation about that when we're away. Because that's, yeah. I, I'd kind of said to you, like, I don't view cooking as like housework. Like as it's equivalent. not equivalent. Mm. It's like, I enjoy the process of cooking and it's fun to put on, like put on a podcast, put on some music, get in the kitchen and just cook away. It's like, that for me isn't work. It's just something I enjoy doing. So it's like, that's when then you're cleaning. Well, I'm like, wait, I haven't cleaned. So that's for me, that feels imbalanced in my head. But yeah, when we're away, we kind of talked about that of like, hey, like, yeah, just trying to. How did we end up working through that? What was the conversation? Um, I think I... I think I was like... 
I don't know, because we've had multiple stages of that conversation. Mm. Like, it's something that we never quite work through because we're both pretty set and, like, you don't consider cooking a chore. I I consider both a chore mm. and the way that I can contribute is by doing the cleaning. Well, I think, like, I think one of the things that we've talked about with that is that, um, you know, we don't live together at the moment. So, it's, like, going away on holidays or something like that. Yeah, like, I, I, I was cooking more and I was doing that stuff, but, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It'll probably st- keep going. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think once we live together, like, you know, I, I think what I said to you was like, look, if we live together, I'm not going to be able to cook dinner and breakfast every day kind of thing. Like I will need to learn to ask for your help and learn to split that part equally as I, I need to learn to split and help on housework kind of stuff. Like, you know, so I think it'll change as, as our life situation. Yeah, I think, I think part of the conversation that maybe got more productive was when it was like, hey... I need you to see how I'm perceiving this through through my eyes. So consider that the way that I see cooking is the same way that you see cleaning maybe is the way that we ended up talking about it where it was like, look, I know that you don't think that cleaning is a thing. Uh, cooking is like a big deal. But l- let's say that you were doing all the cleaning like that that would you'd be clearly there'd be like an imbalance i guess to a degree not to say that we're going to ever find perfect balance but it was like look if you're going to do a lot of the cleaning then like let me contribute in some way mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't remember exactly how that went but i think it did just come down to like this is just how we contribute and it felt good for me to be able to do that for you in the same way that it feels good for you for you to be able to do a cleaning or do cooking or whatever it is for me so i think it felt once it got beyond the point of you feeling like i had to do it mm-hmm. It was it, something I think maybe became something that you were more willing to be like, okay. Yeah. 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 Cool. I think we got through it all. I think we got through the main points. There, <laughs> there's the gibberish points next that you I never filled in. Do you have any other things that you think are really bad with communication? No, I think we covered it. I think. I mean, there's the basics of like yelling. Yeah. No, we talked. We, we talked about them the first one. Like calling someone a name. But I think that falls maybe under the you always or you never thing. Hmm. No, I think we covered it. Okay, so I promised a sex tip. <laughs> and I was reminded of this recently because I was listening to someone else saying it and I was like, oh, that's right. So this is going to be a blowjob technique, which is not going to apply to you, I guess. Sorry. This applies to all the ladies and other people that give blowjobs out mm-hmm. there. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody. <laughs> So real good way to practice deep throat technique is to use like maybe a toothbrush or like a spoon. I mean, if you've got a fucking dildo, which are not hard to get, like get, just order a dildo online and practice putting that object very deep in your throat and getting used to not gagging. So like gagging is a reflex that you can control. And so if you practice that with an object and just stay calm and relaxed and just like, just kind of like not think, oh fuck, I'm going to gag using that can help you practice deep throat. Have you tried with the spoon? I've not tried with anything because I don't need to. (laughs) 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 All right. right. Thanks, everyone. Peace out.